Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is going to be episode 8, and I'll let uh, ask you, John, to, to get us started off. I know you're pretty pumped up. Uh, tell me what's got you so pumped up today about this episode. Uh, I've been waiting for this episode since we started doing the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about Right to Repair uh, and the death of ownership, because I think that last part is the most important part of this conversation. Um, this is something that I'm really passionate about, um, especially having worked uh, in the repair field, specifically in, in technology repair for the last uh, you know, five years or so, um, uh, and uh, doing it at, a, at, at the time was um, you know, an independent repair place. Um, so all this, uh, all this really hits me hard. Uh, you and I, when we started this podcast, we wanted to be as objective and, and as honest as possible and try not to have any bias. Um, I'm, I am biased when it comes to this argument. And so I'm going to be <laughs> honest about that right up front. Um, but I, I do want to talk about uh, right to repair. We're going to highlight why it's important. We're also going to give the arguments against it um, for transparency reasons and see if I can overcome those arguments. Um, so are you ready to kick this off? Yeah, you want me to start off right away with a argument against or where are we starting? No, so so um, I'll, start, I'll start it off with uh, specifically what is the right to repair movement? And to simplify it, it's just the, the movement wants to ensure that manufacturers do not have the right to control property beyond the sale of said property. So um, the example in this would be, uh, if you go and you buy an iPhone for $1,000, Apple can't tell you what you can or can't do with your iPhone after they have sold it to you. When you, when you buy it, you become the owner of it. Uh, the same way that if you go into a Safeway and buy a gallon of milk, once you pay for that gallon of milk and there's that exchange of money for the product, that gallon of milk becomes yours and your property, and you can choose to drink it or pour it down the toilet if you want to. Safeway doesn't have a say in what you do with your gallon of milk. Um, Apple should not have a say in what you do with your iPhone after you buy it. Um, I will I, I will tell you this, Brandon. Um, you, can, you can refer to me as the bus driver today because I'm going to be taking the bus over some companies and some, some entities. Uh, today, Apple uh, just got driven over. They're not going to be the only ones. I'm going to throw Samsung under the bus. I'm going to throw John Deere under the bus. I'm going to throw um, Climb under the bus. Uh, the entire state of New Jersey is not going to be thrown under the bus, actually. Uh, but they will be mentioned. So, New Jersey, what's up? So, why do we need legislation? Um so we need legislation because uh, this is taken from, uh, I believe, repair.org. Um, most current limitations on repair are, are made in contracts such as end-user uh, license agreements uh, that, if agreed, uh, limit how equipment can be used. Again, this is post-sale. Um, uh, contracts fall under uh, general business law in states and legislation for right to repair is typically assigned to committees handling uh, general business law. So that's that's the what's going on in a nutshell. So um, some examples of 
companies that are taking advantage of users and trying to um, control a property that used to be theirs, but it's no longer. Uh, of course, right now we have Apple. Uh, they used uh, serialized parts on their devices. Um, and so if you uh, break your screen and you go get it fixed and you're not using a uh, an Apple OEM part, you might lose functionality um, in, in some of the features that they offer. Uh, John Deere is another one. Um, you know, in their higher end tractors, uh, they have uh, remote switches and, and uh, GPS locators. And so they can actually, uh, if they if and when they want to, they can actually uh, shut off your tractor um, in the middle of the field. Um, they also uh, are very, um, you know, against uh, anybody else trying to come in and, and, fix, uh, and fix their tractors. Uh, BMW got into some hot water uh, fairly recently. Um, uh, they want to sell you a monthly subscription to use uh, heated seats. Um, BMW got a lot of flack and, and since uh, tried to clarify um, what their monthly subscription is going to be. Um, they, uh, uh, they're like, you know, the, the bulk of what this is for is for um, people who want to use their camera systems as uh, dash cams. So like your, your backup camera system, you can use it as like a dash system for recording purposes. Um, I, I'm not sure that's any better. Um, but, uh, but, um, uh, New Jersey is the place that had, uh, that took exception to BMW, <laughs> uh, you know, because here they are selling you a hundred thousand dollar car with, with built-in heated seats and, um, they could just turn it off if you don't pay your monthly subscription to use them. And that's, that's kind of a, kind of a crazy idea. All right. So, so Brandon, we can now go into, uh, why, right to repair should fail according to these manufacturers. Yeah. So, so we got Joe Schmo repair guy. Um, he, how, how can we, how can we trust, uh, Joe Schmo with our, our private information? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, customer privacy, data privacy is, is a big issue. Um, there has been cases where a Joe Schmo repair guy has taken, uh, you know, you know, people's uh, phones and, and taken information off them that's happened before. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that Sally Sue at Apple is any more trustworthy. And the fact that a company and companies are saying, well, we'll hold on privacy we have to worry about protecting people's information. These are these are arguments made by companies that profit from selling your information. Um, so so it's not that Joe Schmo should be trusted or not. It's it's a question of do you trust Joe Schmo? Um, because there's there's nothing that that Apple or or Google or Samsung or John Deere and any of these uh, companies offer that's going to make them any more or less trustworthy, really, than than a lot of these guys, um, you know, these mom and pop repair places. What else do you got for me? That goes both ways, I guess. Uh, and uh, do we trust the uh, Joe Schmo, or or do we trust the 
the companies that are known for selling your information. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Is, is Joe Schmo going to sell my information like, like, you know, Apple and Google do. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, so, Go ahead. so how about, how about intellectual property? I mean, uh, Joe Schmo repair guy is going to, uh, reverse engineer the technology. They're going to reverse in. So Joe Schmo is going to take, uh, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to take the device, reverse engineer it, um, figure out, you know, everything that has to do with, with iPhones and then I don't know, sell that information to China or something. Um, except that iPhones are in largely made in China, I guess, India more so now, but, um, my, my argument to that is this first as a repair technician, I can tell you that, um, there is no altering or pirating or copying of any kind, um, during the repair process. Um, that, that just doesn't happen when you're, when you're fixing any, any cell phone. Um, or tablet or computer that just, uh, there's no reason to do it. The other, the other question, the follow-up question that I would, I would ask you, Brandon is why, if, if I want to reverse engineer your phone, what kind of phone do you have? What's your phone? I've got the, uh, one plus 17 McLaren. Okay. Why would I need your phone specifically to reverse engineer. Could I use my own one plus if my intent was to somehow pirate or copy, you know, the design and an Android system or whatever? Um, why, why do I need an unsuspecting, you know, OnePlus user, iPhone user, Samsung user to come into my repair shop to get this information? Is that how the, is that how pirating networks work? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, you have Joe Schmo's, um, shady repair business is just waiting to sell trade secrets. And the way they're doing it is they're hoping some unsuspecting Samsung user is going to walk in. Is that how that works? Is there not another way that they could get this information? <laughs> Legitly by buying said phone themselves or not legitly by walking into a Best Buy and just taking one off of the shelf, you know, and, and running. Um, uh, so that's, it's an argument that I just, uh, I just don't buy, um, at all. So we don't want to trust this right to repair movement because uh, we're not sure we can trust Joe Schmo repair guy and the, and the end user to, uh, to get the, the repair done safely. We're not mm. sure, sure if we can, can we trust them to do that? Um, so this, this was a big argument that I've heard a lot, right? You know, batteries are dangerous. Um, the reality though is this argument went out the window as soon as the repair manufacturer or the, uh, the OEMs came out with do it yourself repair programs. Um, in addition to specifically in the, in the, in the cell phone world, um, the Y certification, right? So we're, you know, so you're getting 
um, you know, formalized education on how to do these repairs. Um, so if, if, <laughs> if, if Apple trusts, um, their regular end user to be able to do these repairs themselves as part of the do it yourself program. Yeah. I think you can trust Joe Schmo who's been doing this for 10 years or five years or two years to do these repairs as well. <clears throat> um, but the, the thing that I have in my notes here too, is, um, there is an argument that no one seems to kind of mention. Um, is that the, 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 the manufacturers are not going to mention this. Um, but the, if the manufacturers maintain control over their property after it's sold, so they can control, um, who does these repairs with what parts these repairs are done by that's an, a revenue stream, an additional revenue stream for the manufacturer. Huh. Right. Apple, Samsung, John Deere, uh, will get paid money if they force their, their end users to come back to them for repairs. Yeah. It works for everyone except for us, the user and the repair guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So make so the rich richer. Right. So Joe Schmo gets, gets screwed out of doing these repairs. Um, you know, we don't, you know, us as the end users, we no longer get the choice of, of who, we, who we feel like we could trust, right. To do, to get these repairs done. Um, you know, in the car world, you used to be able to have your, your trusty mechanic do repairs for you. Well, in the, in, you know, in the cell phone world and, and in the car world at times too, um, that's disappearing. This is, uh, you know, the manufacturers are like, you can only trust us to get this, this repair done. And, uh, we're going to make it. So we're the only ones that can get this done for you. Uh, which means we can control pricing. Um, and it's an additional revenue stream for us. Um, and you know, some manufacturers don't make money off of doing these repairs like Apple. I don't see how they can make money, uh, doing repairs. But I do see how they make money by getting more people into their building, for sure. Right? They're going to force people who need repairs into their building so they can buy more Apple product. That's just how that works. That's that's not a slap in the face to, to Apple because they're not the only ones that have this idea. <laughs> um, door swings mean money. Follow the money. The, the reason why manufacturers want to control the repair process is because it's in their best interest too. Gotta love cronyism. <laughs> um, so the path that we're on right now, so, so I'm going to bring up some, some real world, uh, examples of, um, you know, what, what things could end up looking like if we allow, uh, manufacturers to continue to, to have this kind of control over product they no longer own. Um, so, uh, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, and this, this has to do with, uh, with safety. Um, we talked a little bit about safety and Joe Schmo doing repairs, but, but we should also talk about the fact that not always is the case where OEMs are making the superior product. Sometimes 
the aftermarket product is the better product when it comes to the parts. Um, one of the things I want to mention is, um, I don't know if you remember this, Brandon, because you're, you're my age. Um, do you remember the Firestone and Ford tire fiasco from about 20 years ago at all? I think you've talked about it at one point, but refresh my memory. So, um, back in the year 2000, um, uh, I think it was Congress pushed forward the Tread Act, which is... Uh, caused by a scandal that happened between Ford and Firestone. Um, so uh, back in the 90s, again, this the act happened in 2000. So go previous to 2000. Back in the 90s, uh, on light trucks, um, the Explorer was hit a lot by this. Um, Firestone uh, was, was making tires for Ford. Ford used them as OEM equipment. Um, they would put them on on um, on uh, on these vehicles, the light trucks, so uh, Rangers, uh, Explorers, uh, and there was a defect in the tires, and so you get tread separation, and uh, the result of this was um, a was over a thousand people being killed or injured um, as mm -hmm. a result of this this. Um, and Ford and Firestone tried to cover it up. It led to a lot of executives getting fired over it. You know, like I said, Congress and had to interview and come out with the Tread Act. Um, so, uh, you know, that's that's all in the past, and I, and and I don't mean to to throw Ford or Firestone under the bus for you know what they're doing today necessarily. Uh, this is just what happened, you know, twenty some years ago. Um, but imagine, if you will, um, Ford deciding that the only tires that you can put on, on your Ford Explorer is Firestone tires. Just, just let that sink in a little bit. Just what if Ford said, you have to put Firestone tires because those are the OEM equipment. Um, you have to put Firestone, and if you don't put Firestone, if you decide that you want to put Toyo tires or Michelin tires, um, your TPS, uh, TPMS system or your ABS just isn't going to work, or you're going to lose some sort of functionality because we designed a certain feature to work with specifically Firestone, right? And you're putting and you're forcing people to put four death traps on your Explorer, right? That's that's nuts. Um, this hits me specifically because what was I doing in the year 2000? I was learning how to drive in my dad's 1996 Explorer. <laughs> uh, so um, did that Explorer when I when I was driving it? Did that Explorer have Firestone tires? Hell no, it did not. It had Toyo tires on it. <laughs> Why? Uh, because the Firestone ones were defective, um, and it led to, to people getting hurt and killed. Um, so this is an example of, uh, of a, of a, of a horrific incident that, that led to an, you know, an aftermarket part, an aftermarket tire being better than OEM equipment because 
every tire that was being manufactured basically were better than the Firestones that were defective. Uh, and my safety was on the line. And so it would be absolutely wrong for Ford after selling my parents an Explorer to go to my parents and say, sorry, you, you, you know, you send, you signed the license agreement, the end user license agreement, which said you could only use Firestone tires. Um, that would have put our lives at risk. Now that's, that might sound extreme, um, but it really isn't. And we'll go into another example why. Um, but to go along with that, it's, you know, to, to think, um, you know, I, I'm sure John Deere customers are also thinking like the same thing here where they're like, you know, John Deere is doing their own thing and it's actually putting us in harm's way instead of actually making things safer. Um, but if, but, uh, Brandon, you and I are, are home buyers. We own our homes. Um, the manufacturer should not be able to come in and tell us, uh, what color we can paint our house. Uh, they should not be able to tell us who can paint our house. They should not be able to tell us what brand of appliances we can use. <laughs> right? Like, what, could you imagine being in a world where you buy a house, right? You you, you buy a house for $250,000 or it's 2022. So a million dollars because that's what the market is right now. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that was uh, an exaggeration. Right. So a million dollars, you just spent a million dollars buying your house here in 2022. And uh, the contractor says you can only put LG appliances in your home, or you can only, uh, you can only put uh, uh, heaters made by Linux in your home. And it turns out that Linux uh, has a horrific design flaw that's leading to homes catching on fire, right? But you didn't have the choice to pick anything else. That's nuts, but we are seeing this. We're seeing this today. Um, this is this is you know these are all you know hypotheticals, but but they're all based off of what you and I have been experiencing today. It's coming in our, in our jobs, yeah. it's coming, right? This seems extreme, but really it isn't because we're seeing Apple and Samsung, and again, I have more examples of real life things that are happening right now. Don't get me started on a McDonald's ice cream machine. The, right, the, the ice cream machine, right? <laughs> right, the ice cream machine that can, that, you know, that there was there was a company that figured out how to hack the, the software into it and led to a lawsuit. And right now people, you know, you can't go to McDonald's and get your ice cream because the work, well, I, I hear that, that usually the ice cream machine doesn't work because the, the employees don't like <laughs> cleaning it. <laughs> they they didn't clean it, so they're like, you know, they see the mold on it. They're like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, you uh, you you cannot have uh that milkshake today. It's the machine's broken. Hey, anyway. Don't 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 be hating on the McDonald's now, John. You're hitting a you're hitting a soft spot. A soft spot. <laughs> yeah. I McDonald's. By the way, uh, keep doing what you're doing with the nuggets. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so uh, another example I have uh, of um, of OEM parts being uh, worse than aftermarket parts um, comes from the the PC world. So, if I have an old computer uh, running a like old platter drive, right, or a regular hard drive. Um, and I upgrade it to an SSD. 
uh, not only is that computer going to be faster, it's going to be more reliable as well. So, um, OEM, you know, manufacturers coming out and, and making the argument that, you know, their technicians and their parts are superior, and that's why you need to and should be forced to only use our people and our parts. Um, it's, it's, it's all BS. Yeah. Let's let the customer decide that. Let, right. Exactly. Give me a choice. Free market, right? Give me the choice. I can choose the OEM or I could choose not the OEM. And in some cases, the OEM part is the superior part. In some cases it isn't. And it might be a safety issue. In the case of Ford and, and Firestone tires 20 years ago, it was a safety issue. <clears throat> um, you know, when it comes to uh, computers and SSDs, you know, it's nice to have a faster computer that's more reliable. Um, but it's not going to, you know, that's that's not going to impact my physical safety. Um, but having a more, com a more reliable computer is going to protect my information better, right? So, um, totally lost uh, where I was in my notes now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, so I got a negative impact. Um, so I, I want to talk about, um, some of the negative impact that we've seen some of these behaviors have on people that we, on, on people today. Um, the first thing that I want to, want to bring up that I kind of alluded to earlier with safety is the climb biker vest. Um, so, uh, this biker vest, uh, is really cool technology. So I, I looked it up. Um, I'm pretty intrigued by it because I ride a motorcycle myself. So it's essentially a wearable airbag. And so if you um, if you're riding your, your your motorcycle and you come across an intersection and uh, a car enters that intersection, they didn't see you, and you T-bone that car. That's an accident that happens very often with with uh, motorcycle riders. Um, this airbag upon detection will, um, using like AI, it's really cool technology. Um, the, it'll basically expand this airbag around your torso. And so it's going to protect your spine. It's going to protect, uh, your, your front torso as well. Um, and it'll deploy before you even hit the car. So once you go beyond your bike and before you hit the, like the windshield of the car, it'll deploy. Um, it's, it's really cool technology. Um, and as a, as a motorcycle rider myself, like safety is at the forefront uh, because you're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but uh, Climb is doing something really, really, really strange. It, and it's, uh, if you want your airbag vest to work, you have to basically sign up for a subscription plan at 12 bucks a month, or you could do 120 bucks a year. Um, I, I think they got a lot of back, uh, um, a lot of flack for this because they changed it a little bit. Um, but I wanted to read you a quote that I got from, uh, Jalopnik and I, I read this about this on several sites, but, uh, the Jalopnik quote, I think, uh, summarized it the best. Uh, why do you need an account and all of this for a wearable airbag? Because how Climb is selling this. So it's $399 for the basic vest. Then if you want to, to actually, you know, work, you have to pay a $12 a month subscription fee or 
$120 per year for the privilege of having the thing you bought do the thing you bought it for. <laughs> uh, which I thought was a really good summary. So now, now if you, if you want to buy this vest from Climb, um, that's K-L-I-M, uh, you can, you can do the subscription, um, and hope that you're, um, that you are always up to date with like your debit and credit card information. Um, <laughs> literally heavy, be a matter of life and death. Right. <laughs> Could you imagine like you're out on your ride and you're, you're wearing the vest and, and, um, you're thinking to yourself, crap, did I update? the expiration date from my debit card and then you T-bone a car and the vest doesn't go off. <laughs> um, that's a life and death issue for a motorcycle person, potentially. That's, that's crazy. So now, now their thing is, is you could do the subscription based or you can buy the vest for $399. Again, if you do the vest by itself, it doesn't do anything for $400. It doesn't do anything. For another four hundred dollars, um, uh, it'll it'll do the thing. You can get the computer that'll actuate <laughs> the vest. For an, so so three ninety nine plus twelve bucks a month, or for eight hundred dollars, um, you can you can get this vest and maybe it'll work for you. Um, but that's so it's so bizarre how they have that set up, like. Why, why do you need to do a subscription? A subscription is something that means that you're constantly paying, right? Like it's a service, like this inflatable vest that you're wearing is a service, but it isn't, it's, that's, it's not a service, right? You bought the vest, you need it to do its thing. Um, uh, but a, a subscription for this, you know, and their argument is as well, get software updates and what? No. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a great technology with lackluster execution on the sales side for it. And it's it, totally bizarre, um, which is, which is a, a shame. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, as far as how this impacts us negatively. Um, so this is going to harken back to your and my day, uh, working, uh, for you break I fix slash Assurion. Um, so Samsung has an all or nothing repair policy on uh, on all of their repairs, including non-warranty repairs. Now this practice isn't necessarily a bad practice, um, mostly because if you warranty a repair, you don't really want to warranty half a repair. That just isn't a very good practice you, because um, if you if you have a device that has multiple broken components and you and the customer only wants to fix one of those components, well, one of the other broken components might be causing a short, which could damage the repair that you just did. So mm -hmm. um, the all or nothing repair policy isn't that it's a bad policy. The problem is specifically on non-warranty repairs, why is Samsung getting involved to begin with? Um, so uh, for an example, if you, if you own a Samsung S20 and you 
drop the device uh, and break the screen on it. And it's the screen that's broken and the back glass that's that's broken on it. Um, and maybe a sensor is broken on it anyway. Um, and you want to get the screen fixed. Uh, and that's the only thing that you want to do is be, you, maybe you have a case on it. And you don't care about the, the back glass on it or something like that, whatever the case may be. Um, and you come to, uh, you know, me when I, when I worked for, you know, you break, I fix mm -hmm. and the only thing you wanted to fix was the screen itself. Um, I would have to tell you, I can't, you have to, Samsung won't let me fix this. Even though you're the one paying me money, Samsung is not going to let me fix this unless you agree to fix every single thing that's broken. And we can't even have a conversation as to why you only want to fix a certain component on the device. Um, because I have encountered so many times um, people who only needed the screen to work um, because they needed to get some sort of information off of the device. Maybe they needed to back it up. Maybe they're trying yeah. to back up photos. Uh, maybe they have two-factor uh, two authentication and they need to get that text to be able to get into like their T-Mobile account. Um, or that the poor person, bit. yeah, or the poor person is, is a little bit broke and needs the phone for a couple more months so they can buy a new device, you know? Right, right. And it's right. And so it's, you know, and I've heard a lot of sad, you know, a lot of, you know, reasons I need, I just need to receive text messages um, from my brother because my mom is in hospice care. Right. Now. right. Yeah. Right. I'm, uh, you know, I work in real estate. I'm missing sales right now. Because I don't, I can't get a hold of, I can't respond to texts from right. my clients. Yep. I don't care if my right. NFC isn't working. I don't even know what that is. Right. I don't even know what my <laughs> NFC is. is. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I don't care that my back glasses it has a crack in it. I don't care that my fingerprint sensor doesn't work. I don't use that. Yeah. Right. I don't use the fingerprint sensor. I don't care if the proximity sensor doesn't work. I don't make phone calls. I need to, no. I need to send and receive texts. Um, and I can't even have the conversation and agreement with the client to be like, I could, I could do that repair, but I can't, you know, warranty it or, or whatever. I, I, I can't, the choice is completely taken out of both my hands and the client who's paying uh, out of their hands because some suit in Texas or his boss in Korea doesn't want me to do that repair for that client. They're not the only one with that policy. Google has that policy as, as well, but they weren't as like stern about it as Samsung was. Uh, but when you when you physically damage a device, Samsung or not, um, as soon as you break that device, the manufacturers wipe their hands of it, right? Even if you're in that warranty period, as soon as you damage that device, if you drop your Samsung S20 on the ground or in, or in the pool or whatever, and it's physically damaged, Samsung's like, no, not my problem. Unless, unless you go to Joe Schmo, now it's, now it's a problem. Or, or, or even if you go into my network, I'm going to control 
everything. I'm going to control pricing. I'm going to control. Uh, I'm going to control who does what, and and guess what? It's a it's an all or nothing repair, and uh, it's it's led to uh, a lot of heartbreaking stories um, right. that are completely anti-consumer, <clears throat> and um, you know that's. That's a it's a it's a horrible thing for Samsung to implement and to force on people, which is a shame because there's a lot of things that that Samsung does well on the customer service side. Right. That is not one of them, um, and it's uh, it's it, it hurts everyone involved having that. What's well, that? Sounds like it's a culture problem. You know, it's it's just too it's it's something that not one company is doing. It's something that we've just accepted now as as normal, and it's getting more and more normalized. So. It's it, right. It's getting more normalized. But uh, in in my opinion, Samsung should not have any say at all. They have they have no right to determine the repair, um, especially if it's a non warranty repair. Right? If it's an in warranty and Samsung is picking up the tab, right? Then that gives them that right. It's the golden right rule. Right? He who he or she who has the gold makes the rules. If Samsung is paying for the repair, they can they can set the expectations of it. But if they're not paying for the repair, then the, the expectation should be set by the repair person and the client, right? That's when you set that expectation. This is what you're paying for, and this is what the outcome is going to be. Um, Samsung shouldn't have any kind of say whatsoever in that. <clears throat> um. <clears throat> Uh, one of the things that was, uh, another thing I was going to bring up, uh, let's see, we're already 40 minutes in, uh, though we'll, we'll edit some of it out. Um, uh, so today I was, I was impacted a bit by, uh, by Apple. So, uh, Apple is notorious for wanting people to, to, uh, to, to forcing people into their network for doing repairs. So, um, I was woken up this morning, uh, at seven 30 this morning. Uh, my wife had walked into the, the bedroom and uh, she was in kind of a panic and I was surprised to see her because um, usually she's out the door before six o'clock in the morning to go to work. Uh, well, her iPhone <laughs> had like an iPhone equivalent to like a stroke at, at some point last night. It uh, the, the, the phone was completely dead. Um, it, the, the screen would not turn on. Um, it wouldn't vibrate at all. So like the thing was just dead. She couldn't get it to turn on. Hmm. <clears throat> um, but for better or worse, my wife is married to me and, um, I have never worked for Apple, um, but I know how to fix their devices. And so, um, within 15 minutes, I had her up and running again with, with that phone. Um, uh, but there's some sort of alternate reality, right? in the multiverse where instead of following my passion around electronics, I'm like a rock star or something. And so she's married to like rock star me who knows nothing about phones. And, and, uh, so what would her options be? Well, we live over an hour away from the next, uh, Apple store. Um, so she would have to drive to the Apple store hope to get an appointment for a genius yeah. right. to, to look at the phone. Um, in the meantime, she drives past three other 
repair places <laughs> that probably could help her. Yeah. But Apple doesn't want her to go there. They want her in the Apple store. Uh, this phone is under warranty. So she would get to the Apple store, hope to get a genius, get the phone swapped out, then go to T-Mobile probably to get the phone activated. And it's this is today's Veterans Day. Shout out to um, retired and active uh, military and their families. Um, but it's it's a it's a holiday, and so you know she had no way to to contact her work other than you know use my phone to call work. Uh, she couldn't work from home um, because her computer uses two factor authentication. She can't use her phone. Um, and so, you know, between having to, to get to Apple, to get to a genius, to swap out the phone, if they couldn't fix it, get to two mobile so they can activate it. And, uh, if, if they couldn't do that at, um, at the Apple store, um, in the meantime, she can't work. We're talking at least a day, if not days of her not being able to work. What kind of impact does that have? Right. Well, so, so for you know not being able to work for a day right that's a day's worth of of money right but if it's several days does it impact her status at her work does she get fired because apple can't doesn't want her to go to joe schmo who'll fix the phone in 15 minutes like um that's that's apple shenanigans she's she was fortunate today to be married to me usually that's not the case usually it's very unfortunate for her to be married <laughs> to me not today not today i had her fixed and ready to go and she and she was you know working you know she, she was fortunately able to work from home today instead of actually going in um uh, but i had her up and running in 15 minutes because of my knowledge uh <clears throat> so um the, the the next negative that I was going to talk about that companies are doing is uh, using uh, companies using subscriptions uh, to abuse end users. I I called out BMW um, for doing that. Um, you know, if you're if you're offering a service, it's different. If you're not offering a service and you're just you're holding a feature hostage <clears throat> unless you give me money monthly, right? Like heated seats. Um, using cameras, that's messed up. Um, you know, we're also seeing subs subscriptions have taken over everything. So, um, you have that going on, uh, you know, you're seeing, uh, game makers no longer make physical copies of games. Now everything is going digital with that too. Of course that, you know, if, if I buy a digital version of a game, I can't sell that digital version of the game. I'm essentially paying full price to permanently borrow a game uh, as opposed to owning a game, even though they call it digital ownership. That's just, that's just not a thing. Uh, EA specifically, I know in certain countries have stopped offering physical copies of games. Uh, you know, I, to be honest, it, you know, most people are not buying physical copies of games anymore. It's a lot easier. Uh, it's also better when it comes to, you know, things like, you know, how much space you have in, in your room to have digital copies. But now we're getting to the point where uh, we're all going to get forced into just buying digital copies of games, which, uh, which I, I don't like. I like the choice. Um, 
another thing I think that we that we should talk about is actually defining what a service is versus exploitation. Um, again, I, I threw out the BMW as being the exploitation, um, but you know, subscriptions work on a service based kind of you know platform. So a service would be like me giving Netflix money every single month and they giving me more episodes of Cobra Kai. Um, that's how that works. I keep paying PUD for water monthly because I keep using water monthly. <laughs> um, you know, if, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's a subscription based service that works. Um, you know, if I go to Safeway and I buy milk, uh, a gallon of milk, they don't get to tell me afterwards that, sorry, John, you're too fat. You can't dunk your Oreos in it. That's, that's not, that, that would be exploitation. Um, uh, uh, so again, BMW, um, is ridiculous in their, in their business practices. Um, New Jersey has legislation, uh, proposed legislation to combat that. They're saying no car manufacturers. If you're building a feature in, uh, into the car, you need to be able to enact that. You can't charge monthly for that. So things like heated seats or like power windows, like you can't, you cannot be, um, you cannot be charging people monthly to be able to use power windows or heated seats. That's, it's a feature that they already purchased. Um, you can't hold it hostage. That's just, that just isn't right. <clears throat> um, and that brings me into the, the final conclusion here, which is what we're seeing is, is we're seeing the death of ownership. Uh, companies are using end user license agreements and subscriptions to maintain, maintain control over property that they no longer own. Uh, you no longer own the devices that you are paying for. If you, if you think you own the iPhone that you bought for a thousand dollars or the S 20 that you bought for a thousand dollars, the tractor that you bought for $25,000, the car that you purchased for $30,000, you, you don't, you think you own it. They would like you to think you own it, but you agreed in the service agreement that you don't actually own it and they get to continue to, to make the rules afterwards. Um, and that's why we need right to repair legislation, uh, to restore, not just the right to, to choose how these devices are fixed, but really to restore ownership rights as well. You got uh, any rebuttals there, Brandon? No, no, you've convinced me. I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I think we just scratched the surface too. There, uh, we've gone super long, and we could go longer because there's just so many, yeah, so many examples of this. So it's a scary so trend. I, I, when when I was preparing for this, usually I have about a page page or half a page worth of talking points. Um, at, I, at one point was up to seven pages worth of talking points and I had to shrink <laughs> it because <laughs> my, my wife was, was like, are you going to do a two hour podcast? And I was like, no, <laughs> maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, I don't think anybody would want to watch this for, for two hours. I think I've droned on enough. Um, but I hope the, the point was made. Um, and we can get some, some traction on it. Um, yeah, that's what, I mean. um, if you guys enjoyed this, uh, go ahead and like, and subscribe wherever you're at. Um, 
comment. Uh, tell us about what you liked and what you didn't like. Yeah. Next, and, and if you believe in the in the movement, spread spread the word. Um, and there's there's yeah. lots of other people online that are talking about right to repair. I fix it. It's always been a big advocate for right to repair. Lewis Ross is yep. probably the loudest voice on YouTube anyway regarding it. Um, yeah, it's if, important. If you like not just for repair, but for ownership. For for owners, that's that's the the big thing, right? I think mm -hmm. the right to repairs is a small piece under the umbrella of ownership, which is the biggest issue that we have. Yeah, um, that's that's the big thing. So, um, yeah, if you if you like this, subscribe. Um, you can also you can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on uh, really any place that you can get your podcast. Um, so. Give us a, another listen. We got seven other episodes as well. Plus the yep. next episode that's coming up. Yeah, next episode nine. Episode nine. We're we're gonna rank brands, uh, cell phone manufacturer brands. We're gonna we're gonna come up with some categories and try to rank them. So it could be interesting. Yeah, right. hopefully it'd be a little more lighthearted and uh, fun. So I think we need that after this episode. <laughs> so. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.